Ciao. You're listening to Ed Up Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of the University of Phoenix and higher ed vagabond. So let's get started. Today, I want to talk a little bit about business models and higher education. Now, wait, wait, it's not as boring as it sounds, I hope, but you can decide that. Basically, people divide higher education into two business models, not-for-profit and for-profits. But before we discuss that, I want to just take a minute to talk about the history of business models in higher education and education in general. If we go back to Greek times and we look at Socrates in the marketplace teaching his students, it's important to know that they were paying him for the dispensing of his wisdom. That today might be called for profit. Let's fast forward several centuries and we'll find that in the early United States, higher education was essentially uh, providing liberal arts education to the elite level of society in an, in an agrarian society, people who are being prepared to be the leaders of tomorrow and not the workers in the field as such. Again, that education was paid for by individuals. Uh, it was transactional. It was uh, what one might call for profit. The teachers existed by uh, providing that education. Now, as the, our culture developed and we moved from an agrarian workforce to an industrial workforce to a knowledge-based workforce that we have today, there was an increasing need for uh, workers and for society in general to have a, a set of skills and abilities um, that were increasingly specialized. And therefore we needed to expand our education system to accommodate that need. In other words, we needed to democratize education. We needed to make it available to the general public so that uh, all of the new uh, specializations, the new areas of work could be accommodated. Now this, as this happened, uh, the funding model needed to change. And in fact, it gave rise to our public education systems and our public university systems. Originally, education was organized as uh, basically two knowledge units, if you will, professors and libraries, and it was funded by individuals. But as more and more people needed access, this simply was no longer a viable business model. And this gave rise to a three-legged stool in which uh, individuals continued to contribute with tuition, where state governments provided uh, some uh, subsidies for education and the federal government provided subsidies. And this worked okay for a fair amount of time, but I would contend that in today's society, this model is not sustainable. If you look over the past couple of decades, um, state funding and federal funding uh, has dwindled. 
uh, especially state funding, where in many states the um, you'd find that uh, the, the contribution of the states is in the, the single digits when you look at uh, at education budgets. Uh, federal funding is is always subject to uh, to being cut or redistributed in some way, which leaves the the, the bulk of the burden on the student with tuition. Now, of course, some places have endowments, but that's not, again, a sustainable source uh, of funding. And students are left to their own devices, which mostly means they go into great debt. Um, it follows them sometimes throughout their lives, um, which I don't think is, is something that we want to leave as a legacy for, for future generations. So what can we do, one would ask? Well, in my opinion, we look at what other models work. Now, one model that traditional, some traditional institutions have begun to look at is one in which they, uh, they partner with what's called an, uh, an online program management um, uh, institution. And that is, while it basically helps with online services, it serves a couple of, uh, of purposes. One is it helps traditional institutions that otherwise would struggle develop online programs and provide services, um, uh, instructional design, um, admissions, uh, and, and other kinds of services for those traditional institutions. Secondly, and importantly, it helps these institutions generate revenue so that they can keep their doors open. Now, this is sort of a hybrid. It's somewhere between not-for-profit and for-profit. And we're seeing a number of these, uh, of these kinds of agreements um, increasingly in traditional higher education. The other option is to look at for-profit models for higher education. And people will tell you, well, you know, for-profit is bad because they, have, they make all this money and we don't know what they do with it and they give it to investors. And oftentimes that's simply not the case. And I can tell you from having worked at uh, a for-profit, University of Phoenix, we did not distribute um, any uh, profits to investors. They made their money by uh, buying and selling the, the stock, but there, there were no distributions. Um, so if you look at uh, what happens with not-for-profits, there, they still have to make money. Any institution that is making less money than it spends is in trouble. And having worked with the creditors, uh, I've seen a number of institutions where that was the case. So the difference between for-profit and not-for-profit is often simply the accounting system. Not-for-profits can take their extra money, which we would call profits, and invest them in facilities, in sports teams, in uh, community efforts, but they don't realize a bottom line gain. For-profits, while they do realize that bottom line gain, still take their, uh, their profits and reinvest them. 
oftentimes in their very, uh, the, the very institutions that, that the money earns. So for instance, at University of Phoenix, we invested a heavy uh, amount in online education, which is very expensive. And people don't understand that um, the infrastructure for a, an online institution that has hundreds of thousands of students is, uh, is very, very expensive to maintain, not just technologically, but with the number of employees that it takes to do that. In, in our case, it was uh, uh, over 30,000 at, at, at the peak. So my point here is we need to look at a model for funding higher education that is fiscally responsible, that is sustainable, uh, and does not rely on outside sources of, um, of funding. This, uh, while that sounds anathema to higher education, is pretty much how the rest of our economy works. For-profit models have been the engine of the American economy since the Industrial Revolution and have evolved to a fairly sophisticated point in our society. I think it's time for higher education to take a look and say, wow, you know what? There's a way that we can accommodate the fact that higher education is not just a public good. It's also a public commodity. It is something that we consume and give back to our communities with in a responsible way. Um, and it works in the same way that general businesses do. I think this is something that, uh, that folks need to think about. I think that we don't look at, um, at all businesses and companies uh, as being evil because they make money. They are, again, as I said, the, the engine that drives America today. My claim is that you, the uh, higher education community needs to become part of that and not set itself apart uh, as separate and different. And with that, I'm gonna stop for this episode and invite you to stay tuned for the next exciting episode. Ciao.